Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. Uh, with me is Alan, who's fighting through some COVID issues, but is a trooper and here with us tonight. And singing bass. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also with us is Fred. As long as Alan don't sing, I'm staying. <laughs> so, guys, it's, um, you know, we took a, a little break there over the holidays. And then, you know, obviously, Alan has some COVID issues going through his family um, right now. So, um, but again, just appreciate him taking the time to, to jump on the podcast here with us because I know it has been a while. And we actually do have some news to talk about. Um, I was joking with the guys beforehand that uh, I had sent out a, qu- a question on Twitter and on Facebook asking for uh, questions for the podcast tonight because we didn't really have anything to talk about even after not recording for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden we got the, the Lindor trade news and now we got plenty to, to talk about. But before we get into that, uh, we were also talking beforehand about, you know, just really the lack of decision making from Major League Baseball and how, you know, I wrote earlier, I think it's kind of ruining the sport and, you know, completely freezing this offseason. Uh, and yes, I know teams, you know, cutting costs and not wanting to spend because of revenue being down. I mean, when you have teams like the Cubs who are who are shedding money, that's just not a good look for baseball but I think part of it too and I think the majority of it has to do with the fact that we just we don't know what the season is going to look like we still don't have any clue what the upcoming season is going to look like we don't know how many games we're going to play we don't know exactly when the season is going to start we think we know that there won't be a DH in the in the National League but that kind of still feels like it's up in the air Uh, we don't know if fans are going to be in attendance you got owners that don't want to start the season unless there's fans in attendance and unless every every player and every staff member has a COVID vaccination. You got players, you know, saying, well, we just played a season without fans, so why can't we do it now? Um, so, you know, you have another big battle likely brewing. I know Alan's working on an article about that as well. But, uh, guys, I'm just kind of fed up with Major League Baseball and I mean here we are in January and and we don't know what the upcoming season is going to look like and and Alan it's just it's really frustrating as a fan and I think it's holding back general managers from really wanting to make any moves. It absolutely is and here we are on January 7th as we record this reporting dates are going to be roughly February 15, 16, somewhere in that neighborhood for pitchers and catchers. So here we are roughly five weeks, five or six weeks ahead of that, and a vast majority of the free agents remain unsigned. The Braves uh, still haven't done anything really of substance since they signed the two pitchers back in November. 
And what I see is a real dichotomy between teams. You've got the teams that can spend money or are willing to spend money, like the Mets, and you've got the teams that are desperately trying to shed money, like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, uh, the Rockies, although they haven't done it yet. You've got almost a predatory relationship now between the haves and the have-nots of baseball, and that's where I think some teams are trying to take advantage of of the the folks that need to get rid of money. But beyond that, nothing's happening. <laughs> uh, there, there's a real opportunity for some teams like the Braves to get some money spent and do something to to make a splash and to be able to set up their roster for a real good World Series run. And while we celebrated the idea that Alex Anthopoulos did some real good work to start the offseason, we're now sitting here on January 7th kind of going, hmm, did he do enough? Did he do the right things? Did he act too early? And how's he going to respond? So we'll, we'll get to some of that later. But uh, all this uh, speaks to the uncertainty of the financial situation of a lot of teams. Uh, we are faced with a, a, a specter of perhaps another economic shutdown as the new administration comes in uh, and tries to eradicate this this virus. And all that does not bode well for the economics of baseball because if a third of the income of uh, teams comes from ticket sales and concessions and, and merchandise stuff sold in stadiums, they're not going to have that. And they're not going to have that uh, anytime in the foreseeable future. All that uh, conspires together to set up a situation where the owners are not wanting to do 162 games, and the players definitely want to do 162 games. We're, we're set up for a battle. Yeah, Fred, who's going to win this battle? Um, nobody. Okay, that's the easy answer. Because in the end, when you get negotiations going on, or we'll, we'll call them negotiations to, because this is a family show, um, when you get negotiations going on between two parties who don't like each other, they they just do not. And Clark thinks that MLB short-sheeted him, lied to him in 2016. And we have a lawyer in Rob Manfred who treats everybody he talks to like he's in court. That's not a good way to do it. When you do those things... It's, it, in a way, it is like a lawsuit. Nobody actually wins in the lawsuit except the lawyers. In this case, there are no lawyers. Nobody's going to win this at all. Baseball's going to suffer for it. The fans are going to suffer for it. The players are not going to get what they want. MLBs, the owners are not going to get what they want. And the whole bad part about this is this knocks on across the minor league system, the minor league players, the draft. It, it, turns people away from the game. Kids, young people, we need out there playing the sport to be the future of the sport, to be to be the new Lindors and the new Betts and the new Acunas and the new Albies. We need those kids out there learning to play, loving the game, and this doesn't look like fun. Baseball's supposed to be fun, and you're supposed to watch it and have fun watching it. And they're not making it that way. And, and to Alan's point about the money, this whole thing, yeah, the the owners are losing money. Okay, I don't care how you want to spend that. I know all oh, the owners got deep pockets and they got all this money. Well, maybe that's true, but you 
In fact, I know they have money, but they can't throw it all at a baseball team every year. You can't throw money at a baseball team that's not making money every year. So in the end, there needs to be some kind of rapprochement, as they used to say. These teams need to get down and say, look, we need to play ball. And if you're going to be honest, we're going to be honest. We're going to do these things. But I don't see them doing that. These two guys uh, are circling each other like two fighters who are supposed to be in a, in a bout, and all they want to do is jab from long distance, and nobody wants to go in and talk and set this out. And, and I just, I think everybody loses in this case. The players are losing, uh, the, the fans are certainly losing, baseball as a whole is losing. I don't know any way to do it, any way to get out of it. Uh, lock them in a room and tell them to stay there till they get till they get a uh, solution. And they don't get out. Your food comes through the door to be in a little bottle. So you just stay there until you get something down that makes sense. But other than that, this ain't going to happen. And and I th- I what I expect is a a you you get the November surprise just before the elections. I expect a February surprise. Well, hey, we got a DH in the National League. Everybody be happy. Jump up and down. And that's not going to make me jump up and down. I mean even. I've accepted the DH is coming, but those, that could have been this could have been done in October, in November, and and sitting around twiddling your thumbs and barking at each other is, is just disgusting. Yeah, and that's kind of my whole point of this is you know we're two months into the off season and n- nothing has been announced, and you know obviously we don't know what conversations are going on behind doors or if they're even going on, which is even more frustrating. You know we don't know that. They're even discussing these things or even are close to coming to a decision. And uh, like you said, I, I think it's just very bad for the sport of baseball as a whole. Um, and neither side seems to be want to, to cooperate. Neither side wants to give an inch. And like you said, Brett, we all, we all just suffer. We all lose in that situation. And that's, that's the unfortunate part of baseball right now. And uh, I don't know what the solution is. I, hopefully, once this next CBA is is up, you know, after this coming up season, you know, the two sides will have to get together at that point, and they got a lot to talk about and a lot to figure out. And I can just hope that after all that said and done, that baseball's in a, a better position moving forward. But it's just hard to hard to picture that right now. One other thing to note here, since we're kind of talking about the start of the season and and some decision makings, one thing we do know that has been announced is that Double uh, A level and below will not start until after teams leave their spring training site. So we do know that the minor league seasons, for at least Double A and below, will be delayed. Which again is a shame because, like Fred said, we need these kids playing, we need them developing, we need them to love the sport. You know, you're always scared of that out of sight out of mind you know these kids take a year off and maybe they find other things to do you know they need to make money they need to have have their own lives their own careers you hope that's not killing the game there but we did get news that those levels will be will be delayed to start the season but um that's your bad news uh portion of the podcast well i guess it's not really there's more bad news coming for brace fans because uh the real big news of the day is that the Mets have traded for not just Francisco Lindor, but also Carlos Carrasco. I think, you know, Carrasco is getting kind of lost in, in the mix as well, but that was a big uh, pickup for the Mets uh, as he'll be inserted into their, their starting rotation. And 
Um, you know, we've been waiting on that first big move from Steve Cohen. I know he same, signed James McCann earlier in the offseason, uh, which to me kind of seemed like a uh, downer from the fact that they were they seemed to be in on JT Real Muto. Um, so I was happy with them signing McCann. But uh, this is the first big domino that has dropped for uh, the Mets this offseason, trading for Lindor. I think, you know, like we all talked about before, it seemed like the obvious move. So it wasn't much of a surprise. And like I, I think I mentioned when we were talking before, um, you know, I, I think he's there to stay. I don't think the Mets make this move unless they plan to sign him long term, like with the, the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts last, last offseason. So I think Lindor will be in the NL East for a long time, be playing shortstop for the Mets. And that's, uh, certainly bad news for Braves fans, but great if you're a fan of the game and want to watch one of the best shortstops because he is, he's an exciting player. He's fun to watch. Um, and, and I think most baseball fans just like Lindor in general. He seems like a great, great guy, um, to cheer for. Um, so uh, I'll enjoy watching them, even though the Braves have to go up against them. But, uh, Fred, I'll get your thoughts first just on the trade as a whole. Um, and I'd have to look it up real quick. I forgot all the names involved, but I know that. Okay, go ahead. Well, the, on the the thing for the trade is, did they get get value for this? Well, no, they didn't get value for it. There's no way that that you could get Rivera. They they got and, Andres Jimenez uh, and Ahmed Rosario, uh, both major league players. Uh, Jimenez was a top 100 uh, prospect, and uh, he just barely aged out of a prospect. So if you consider the major league player plus Jimenez as a top 100 prospect, they could play those two guys up the middle and solve their middle infield defense, provide Rosario good round of hits. And then you got Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Neither one of those guys have actually played yet. One was drafted in 2019. One was drafted in 2020. Uh, a pitcher and an outfielder. The outfielder is a center fielder kind of guy. Uh, he's supposed to be really fast. Uh, he's got a good hit tool, nice left-handed swing. They tell me, or I, but I just, um, but he's years away. You know, he's he's years away because he hasn't picked up a bat and swung it in a game, and and the pitcher hasn't thrown a pitch in anger yet. So uh, those guys are away. So this is clearly not the best deal possible for him, which begs the question. We know they've been shopping him for nearly a year, actually. They've been listening to offers, and nobody offered them anything. And that's why Lindor went to the Mets. Nobody offered them anything better. Now, you can say it's not enough. That's true. Uh, in a pure value thing, uh, he should have got something, maybe not what Betts got, because he's not quite that player. But he should have got more for him than, than Jimenez and Rosario. No offense to those guys. They're good major league players. They will be. But the reason that he went to the Mets for this was because nobody else offered anything better. When you say they didn't get enough, who else was offering anything? And the answer is nobody. So you take the best offer you can get. They needed to move his money off. They've got something like $40 million on the books for next year, and only 16 of that, 16 or 18 of that is guaranteed. Um they're not going to trade Jose Ramirez now. Uh, why should they? He makes $9 million. And they need somebody there. The fans will know, oh, hey, I know that guy. He's that's Ramirez. So, you know, they've got Ramirez. They've got Bieber. They've got a couple pitchers. Um, 
and they're going to be awkward to play. But the Mets really uh, are uh, all in for this, as Alan wrote earlier today. They they are in a position now where, and the only reason they were able to do this, by the way, is because Cano went and stubbed his toe and gave away his money for the year. Because he's him being gone is paying for Lindor for this year. So, but they have now, uh, if you look around the infield, uh, first base, uh, we've got an advantage there. Second base, we probably have an advantage there. They have the advantage at short. I think they have the advantage as third right now because you know that J.D. Davis had an eight-something OPS, 300 batting average in 2019, and that is who he is. So if if that's the case, then three-quarters of the infield, or the infield sort of a 50-50 split. Their outfield defense, um, with the possible exception of Dominic Smith, is really good. And if they, they don't have to sign George Springer, and I think that they're probably past that point now, but if they pick up Jackie Bradley Jr. and put him in center field, and they've got Conforto and Bradley Jr. out there, then their outfield defense is good. And McCann's a solid defender. They have three three guys at the top of the rotation who've been there, done that, and know how to get to the postseason. That's a really good ball club, folks. That's a really good ball club. And and the Braves don't have that right now. They're short in various areas. Oh, we got prospects. Yeah, I know. Uh, I like I like these prospects too. But when you look around at winning now, uh, the Mets moved ahead of the Graves uh, simply by virtue of, of their rotation and, and the guys they picked, they picked up. Um, now, who won the trade long term? Probably probably still the Mets because if they re-sign Lindor, as, as Jake said, and they keep him for the next eight years, then they've probably made, made a good deal there. Uh, Carrasco is going to be a good middle to back of the rotation guy, going to give you innings. Uh, Cookie's a good pitcher, so they're going to be they're going to do well. And if they if they get to the postseason this year, then they've won the trade. And if they get to the postseason with Degrom and Stroman and, and uh, uh, Carrasco, they have as good a chance as anybody in, in a tournament. Uh, so I, I you know I just th- I looked around and said, well, who else is bidding? And if nobody else is bidding and you're selling, you take the bid you get. So that's what I think happened. And uh, I congratulate the Mets fans; they're going to have fun this year. Uh, and I don't think they're done. You know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Jackie Bradley Jr. ends up there. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they move for a, move for another bat somewhere along the line, maybe even uh, trade Nimmo a long way or, or Dom Smith. Dom Smith probably has has legs somewhere as a DH. Uh, but uh, I, I just think the Mets are going to be, be fun to watch if you're a Mets fan this year, and they're going to be trouble for the Braves. Yeah, I know for sure. I, again, I, I don't know how you don't like this trade. For the Mets, um, I think, it, you know, obviously you get one of the best players in the game. And like I said, I think they will re-sign him, which just makes this trade even better for the Mets. Um, but, Alan, what are your overall thoughts on the, the trade for the Mets, and do you think they're done? Well, no, they're not done, uh, definitely. the If the DH does actually happen, they're really set because now you take your worst outfield defender between the guys that uh, Fred mentioned and make him your DH, and then you're 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 in great shape there. There's still some noise being made that they might be in on Springer. I would tend to suggest that for the same kind of reason that they chose James McCann uh, as a catcher rather than Real Muto, that Jack, JBJ is more likely as their center fielder. Uh, pick up, but who knows? This this may still fall to them because who Springer got for a uh, 
for suitors, it's Toronto and New York right now. Uh, I don't know that anybody else is really after him or, or can really afford him at, at the kind of rates he wants. So it, he's got to make a decision here as to where to go for it. And nobody really wants to go to Toronto. So, uh, I, I still think they have a shot at it. They're, they seem to have signaled some willingness to exceed the luxury tax threshold. Yeah, yeah, the Mets actually exceeding the luxury tax threshold. That's just foreign words to me. But um, for sure they're not done. Uh, I still think they need to do something to help out their bullpen unless they're ex- really expecting uh, these uh, names that they've gotten in the last couple of years to bounce back a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, with that starting pitching they got, they've just made their bullpen better by adding Carrasco. Uh, he's going to go deep into games and, and give them length, and that's going to require less out of their bullpen than what they've had before. So, yeah, I think this was a perfect move for those guys. There was some noise about whether they might have been talking with the Cubs about Chris Bryant. Honestly, I'm not sure I see that. Maybe these talks weren't very serious. Uh, yeah, J.D. Davis to Chris Bryant, not much of an upgrade, uh, really. And Lindor as an upgrade, yeah, that that's an upgrade. So uh, they made the right move, and I, I can't uh, argue with that. I will differ with Fred a little bit on the Ramirez thing. I do think that Cleveland is in fire sale mode, and this is where I was talking about the haves and have-nots before, because Cleveland may decide, if they get the right offer for Ramirez, that they'll go ahead and just tear it down to the the studs and rebuild from there, because he does make the most money on the team now at, at uh, $9 million bucks for 2021, and they can get a lot for him. And I don't think they're going to compete in the AL Central as it is between the White Sox and the Twins being above them. Uh, even with expanded playoffs, I think it's a very far reach to suggest that they make the playoffs having uh, sold off all the guys that they have, especially Lindor now. So I, I do think that there is at least the, the significant possibility that Ramirez has moved. Atlanta might be a player there, although I don't know that Anthopolis is willing to give up the kind of capital that it would take to get him. But uh, I would like to see a, at least give it a shot and, and, and see see what happens there. We'll never know if it's not successful, but uh, I would like to at least uh, see, see if they're asking the question because uh, I think it's – They'd definitely be worth it as a, a response to what we've seen today. Uh, but right now you've got the elite of the National League as the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, and the Braves. And right now the, the Braves are just sort of sitting sitting back and, and watching, and I'd like to see some, some action there. But, uh, yeah, the Mets did very well today, and they're not done. They still need a center fielder. They still need a and a couple more little pieces here and there, like a backup catcher probably. But uh, other than that, they're looking good. Yeah, I want to comment on a couple of things that you said there, Alan. You know, the, As far as the J-Ram thing goes, I'm kind of more on the side of, of Fred here that I don't think Cleveland will move him. But that doesn't mean I don't think they will if the right offer comes along. But I think it's at the point where they'd have to be blown away. Um, I think because That's he's fair. so cheap. He's so yeah. cheap. Um 
yeah, I think it'd have to be a huge overpay. And the problem with that right now is we we've all been talking about there's just not a lot of buyers out there right now. There's just not a lot of teams looking to 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 pay money or to give up prospects in order to compete right now. Like you just said, Alan, I mean there's there's four teams in the National League who are clearly above the rest. Um and then I think there's also Philly and Washington who who think that they're in there. Um, and, and could be. They have good players. I'm not trying to say they couldn't sneak in there, but I think they're definitely in a tier below. Um, and, and it just seems like the rest of the National League has already kind of given up on on the year. Four teams from the NL Central made the playoffs last year, and they all got taken out in the first round, and that should tell you something. And now that, that division just looks like such a joke right now. I mean, none of those teams seem to want to win it. So I just don't think there's a ton of buyers out there. I don't know who would pay the price tag that it would cost to get a guy like uh, Jose Ramirez right now. I, I definitely don't think it's going to be Alex Anthopoulos based on, you know, his past with the Braves. He has shown he's not going to give up any top prospects yet. Um, you know, I keep saying eventually he's going to have to. Uh, I don't know if Jose Ramirez is the guy that you do that for, but you know, he hasn't shown that willingness to give up prospects in a big trade. Um, the other thing on the Mets, you know, are, are they done or not? I, I obviously don't think they are, and I think they still could be in on a guy like George Springer. I think he would certainly put them maybe even over the top. You know, the, Do- the Padres have obviously done a lot of good things uh, to put themselves in that top tier along with the Dodgers. I think the Braves are still in that top tier, assuming that they get a big bat. We don't know who that is <laughs> and is, like Fred said, there's just not a lot out there. But uh, have to keep the faith that Antopolis will find somebody some way because they definitely now need at least one more big bat. Um, but I think the Mets are aren't done. I think they still have one big move left in them. I don't really know exactly what their payroll looks like. Looking on Spot Rack right now, they have it around. 160, 170 million. So there's not a ton of room I saw there. One, I saw 177 earlier today uh, after Lindor. Okay. Yeah. I'm Crosco. just. I'm not. I'm not sure if they're accounting for the 24 million of Cano in that number or not. They're not. No, they're not. Because Cano, Cano's money's off the books this year. I have them at 179.5. What that's including their 15k for. The, uh, actually, no, 177.5. That's actually including their 15K for the, uh, players benefit fund. So, uh, that's, yeah, that that's, number is with Cano or without? It's without Cano because he doesn't count. They right. do get the money. They do get the money from Seattle. But really? they, but, but yes, but Cano does not get paid. They get the money from Seattle because the contract <laughs> is the contract. Wow. The, 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 uh, but Cano's not on the books this year. Uh, he's back next year. Uh, but uh, but this year he's he's not he's not there. It cost them nothing this year. Yeah, and that may be the only thing that holds them up from doing a long term deal like Springer's because they still do have Cano on the books for two or three more years, maybe two more. Uh, yeah, twenty four million for twenty two and twenty three. Yeah, so they still have that to think about because once that comes back on the books next next year, they'll be up around that. Two hundred million dollar range, but but they're only at eighty nine million right now for next year. Okay, who's coming off the books for them next year? Uh, well, you look, Syndergaard well, comes off. Syndergaard's Matt's one of them. Off, um, but you got to think if they are going to sign Lindor, he's going to get a big jump from what he's making now too. 
and I'm figuring that they're going to sign Lindor and he'll get close to 30 million, maybe. So, yeah, probably. But, uh, but again, you know, I'm just looking, they don't have, you know, they'll get, uh, who's, um, Stroman comes off the books next year. That's 18, nine comes off. Familia comes off. There's 12. There's Stroman. There, there's Lindor's money. The, uh, Batanzas comes off. That's a $1 million vesting option. He's not going to make. So, you know, there's 20 million, 30 million, 31 million off the books right there. Cindergard's either going to have to, they're going to, he's going to be a free agent. Um, Matt's There's is gone. 10. Matt's yeah. is gone. That's five. Uh, Conforto and, uh, Conforto is going to get a raise probably. He'll be a free agent if he doesn't. Uh, Edwin Diaz is gone at five million. Uh, and so on and so forth. It, all their big money, uh, aside from Cano is tied up in DeGrom, uh, and James Command, James McCann, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, Trevor May. So, uh, and, and and eventually, then Lindor. Yeah, I bet, but I'm just saying. Right, right but now, that's right kind now, of that's kind of just reassuring my thought that they're not done because it sounds like they have plenty of of money for next year already, even with Cano coming back on the book. So, uh, I, I don't think that keeps them hold holds them back from doing another big contract like Springer if they feel like that's the the right move for them. So yeah, because they're thirty under the luxury tax threshold. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think they still have at least one more big move in them. And I think they kind of need one more big move as well. Or they don't need it, but it certainly would, would be nice, like I said, to kind of put them over the top with getting Lindor as well. All right. Normally I would say they should flip a contract, but they don't have anybody to flip. I mean, you know, when you look at them, they don't have anybody uh, that, that they they just signed May, they just signed McCann, uh, they just got Carrasco. Uh, they don't have any big deals that they, that's actually worth flipping unless they can make somebody take Della Matanzas. Um, uh, I just don't see where, uh, or maybe they can call somebody to take a familiar, but they need bullpen guys. And, uh, you know, uh, I just don't, they've got like 30, 34, 34, 5 million, uh, 34.5 to hit the base, base level of the luxury tax. And even slightly over that doesn't hurt them. So, you know, they can do it. They can do it if they want. I think they're more likely to get two players than, than to go big for, big for Springer. Um, because, you know, you can pick up a, a Jackie Bradley Jr. and a, uh, uh, Jock Peterson, uh, really nice. And, and then some guy was, named Green for the bullpen, perhaps. Yeah, or, or, uh, Brad Hand. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lee, you know, Lee the, yeah. There, there's guys out there for the bullpen. Uh, and you know, hand at, they, they wouldn't buy him at ten million. Maybe they'll maybe if they can get him at two for eighteen, uh, then all of a sudden their bullpen doesn't look as bad. Yeah. So that kind of leads us into the next discussion that I wanted to get into. Um, and about the NL East, and it was actually one of the responses I got to my tweet looking for questions tonight. Uh, Stephen Malone, Stephen underscore Malone 7 said, uh, how much of a cluster is the NL East going to be next year? Um, and, you know, he he's right. You know, I mean, it was already looking like it was going to be a cluster before. Like I said, you know, I felt like the Braves were still the favorites, but, you know, the Nationals, they traded for Josh Bell this 
this offseason already. Not that that's a, a huge move, but it just, you know, signals that they're still going for it and they have the core to do so. I mean, when you got Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin in your starting rotation, you know, you're going to win a lot of games. You got Soto, who's one of the best hitters in the game. Um, you got Trey Turner at the top of the lineup. So they have a, a nice core there. Uh, they just need to fill out their lineup a little bit, but, you know, they're going to, they're going to be in the mix. The Phillies uh, will still be in the mix. And then obviously the Mets, you know, with the move they made today, firmly put themselves near the top of the the league as well. So, you know, Alan, I'll, I'll go to you first. You know, I know you kind of wrote about it already today after the, the trade for Lindor, but, you know, how, how tough is this in at least going to be? It depends on what the Nationals end up doing. There's a, uh, there was a rumor a couple of days ago that they're looking at Corey Kluber. Of course, a lot of people are looking at Corey Kluber. Um, if they were to get him, that would certainly uh, solidify their rotation quite a bit, no matter what happens with uh, Strasburg's return. Other than that, I still don't know what they are. I'm thinking right now they're probably a third or fourth place club, but it, it's hard to say. And if you've got a decent rotation, you're always in ball games. The Phillies are still looking like a fifth place team. Uh, and that's crazy to say considering what they've done and what they've added. I mean, they, they said they wanted to do stupid money a couple of years ago and they did. They, they, put themselves in a hole that they can't get out of because of stupid money. And now they don't have a, a catcher in Real Muto unless he uh, comes crawling back and begging for some sort of contract since nobody else is going to give him one, it seems. So if you got those guys on the bottom, uh, the Marlins are, are going to be a feisty wild card kind of a, a club again. So they, they could uh, make, a lot of noise for everybody, but right now it looks like the Mets and Braves at the top, uh, Marlins and Nationals in the middle, and the Phillies at the bottom. I don't really see anything else going on there that uh, would be of any significance unless the Nationals start making some moves here. But again, so far, hardly anybody is making some, any moves except the Mets, and that's just part of the uh, lack of drama of this offseason. Yeah. Fred, true or false, are all five teams in the NL East better than any team in the NL Central? Uh, true. <laughs> I think I, the the only team that the only team that that might have a that has has a path back are the Cardinals. Really, uh, yes. they have pitching, and uh, you know that uh, they were to get a couple of bats, they were to sign a Jock Peterson, for example, and and. Uh, find find a way to convince the DH to play where they can keep Carpenter from having to wear a glove, and and you know I I think the Cardinals are probably pick of the litter right now, but uh, you could see I remember you remember when the Padres got to into the into the World Series is is just above 500. I I could see the Cardinals being the being the division champs at at 84 game wins. Uh, everybody going wow somebody won that division. But I think at least four of the teams in the East are better than the Cardinals right now and uh, better than everybody in that division right now. And, uh, you know, these three of them are better than the Cardinals. But I think, uh, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty much true. Yeah, and it just shows why you can't have regional schedule, scheduling. There has to be a balanced schedule. Um, it's just not fair 
to the other teams. Like I said, when you had four teams from the NL Central make the playoffs last year, and clearly they didn't deserve to be there. I think there were better teams in other divisions. Um, so hopefully, you know, that doesn't happen again, and I don't think it will. Um, and I don't think Major League Baseball wants that to happen again either. But, yeah, it's definitely going to be a fight in the NL East. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Braves, but somebody's got to win these games. And, you know, for, for me personally, I hope that a lot of teams aren't picking the Braves because they haven't picked them the last three years, and the Braves still continue to win the division. So, um, you know, I still still like their chances. I still like the depth of the Braves. Uh, again, as we keep talking, I think they just need to find that big bat, find a couple of bullpen arms, and I think they'll be okay. All right, last thing I kind of want to talk about tonight um, before we get out of here is just, you know, the, the the idea of the Braves needing to respond. We had a couple of questions, obviously, come up after a little indoor trade. Um, Jordan Harper uh, asked, why are the Braves not doing anything? And then uh, Coach Shaw said, are we going to answer the New York Mets move? So, uh, Fred, I'll go back to you. <laughs> Why are the Braves not doing anything, and, and do they need to respond to what the Mets did today? Well, they will tell you that, they, that they'll, they'll say, well, no, we don't respond to what other teams do. We have a plan, and we're going to stick to it. And, yeah, I've got some land, coast land, all just outside of El Paso that I'd like to sell you. The, the, they're going to have to do something if they intend – to be winners. We can challenge like we are. Uh, we are probably good enough to stay in the fight, but I think today puts the Mets ahead of us. And I do that because I don't trust Riley in third base. I don't know who's playing left field. I don't know what to get out of the center fielder. I don't think Darno can do for 162 games what he did for 60 games last year. I don't think it's reasonable to ask of a catcher. Yes, Ozzie could have a better year. Yes, Ronnie could have a better year. But you still got a third of your team there that you don't depend on. So, yes, I think they must do something. The question becomes what? Uh, there's not much out there that really provides what we need, which is another bat to protect Freddie uh, and probably two right now. Uh because I don't think the lineup is just deep enough. Maybe Riley wakes up one morning and remembers how to hit. I don't know, but he hasn't shown me that yet. Um, but I think we're at least one bat, maybe two away. Uh, I'm not sure. I hate to say this, but I'm not sure about closing out the games. I mean, I think Will Smith can do it. I think that there's guys out there that can do it, uh, Chris Martin. I'm just not sure uh, that they will do it. Uh, being able to and actually doing it, different things. So I think that they do need to do something. I think they need to make a response. I think if they don't find something uh, significant, fans need to have to uh, can be ups need to be upset about that. Uh, the the idea that uh, I like prospects too. I do. I like prospects because yeah, they're young and they're great stuff. But when you get by our first three first three three or four minor league prospects. There ain't much, okay? There's a lot of lottery tickets there. Um, everybody says, well, no, I would never trade Drew Waters for anything. Well, that's a mistake because Drew Waters is nothing yet. He may be something someday, but right now he is a lottery ticket. Um, maybe he ends up being better than Pache. I don't know. But right now, he's not ready for the majors. And uh, if it took him to get 
uh, uh, Aaron Otto, uh, I would I would shake your hand and buy him an airplane ticket. Uh, but I don't think that's the way that, you know, as you said, that's not what AA has done since he's been here. Now, the idea that he only does one-year deals is fake too, is false too, because he's done a lot of multiple-year deals. Uh, some of them not very good, but he has done a lot of multiple-year deals, and he's made some good choices out there. But he's made some stinking bad trades, and I, I just think I just am not comfortable with the roster the way it is now uh, as a as a get me to October uh, and put me in the playoffs deal uh, with a chance to win. So I think he has to do something. What what I, I would go get Nick Castellanos. I think Nick Castellanos fills part of that bill really well. Everybody's happy with bringing Ozuna back. Castellanos is at least as good as Ozuna defensively. He's going to cost three or four million less for a couple more years. He's probably going to hit as well as Ozuna is going to, was going to hit. Uh, and we know it's a fixed cost, and we know the Reds are dumping salary. So we'll go pick up go pick up Castellanos and stick him in and stick him in left field, and and hope Pache can cover him up out there like he would have to cover up Ozuna. Um, but other than that, you know, you look around the league, you say, well, where are you going to go get somebody? I don't know. Uh, I heard I'm so, heard talk that Brett Gardner may not be on the Yankees' radar this year. If he's not, you know, that's the kind of guy we might end up with. But it's not enough. It's not enough. If you want to win, you've got to win. And you know, uh, you can only uh, you can only sit on the dock and wait for that ship to come in for so long before it gets dark and all all that's there's a tide. I just think you know you could waste the years of Ozuna, Ocuna. And, and Albies and the next years of Freeman, you could waste those by not getting somebody on board to fill the gap. Um, I, you know, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but I th- that's what I, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right, Brett. I think that's the way a lot of Braves fans are feeling right now. We were so close last year. I mean, one went away from getting to the World Series. World Series, I think we would have won had we gotten there. And now it seems like, teams like the Mets are, are passing us by Mets and the Padres as well are, are passing us by, you know, and Thabos isn't doing much of anything. Like we said, he made the two moves early and getting Morton and Smiley. And then we see the Padres go out and get Snell and Darvish. And you wonder, you know, why couldn't we have done those moves? And, and I'm not saying we, we could have, I don't, I don't know what we would have had to offer, you know, better than the Padres, but, you know, now it makes the the moves for Morton and Smiley, which I didn't understand the Smiley move to begin with, but I at least understood the Morton one as a veteran, you know, type guy in the rotation. But it makes those moves seem really dull, <laughs> in all honesty. And yeah, as a Braves fan, it you know it kind of stinks. Um, to be honest, to sit here and and you see teams going one direction and the Braves are just sitting idle. Now, again, there's still several weeks left. There's still a lot of free agents on the board. But as, you know, Fred has mentioned, we've all mentioned several times, there's not much out there, you know, other than bringing back Ozuna, which I, I, I worry, are we overacting to 60 games from Ozuna? You know, I, yes, I don't know. Yes, is the answer to that. Yes, we are. Yeah. We are overreacting to that. Uh, he, so. With 60 games, he's a streaky player, and uh, he's going to have slumps that are going to make us wonder why we spent the money on him. Yeah, so that concerns me a little, too, because we give him a big contract and we figure out that was just a, a sample size of 60 games, and he's he's really the guy that he was for the last you know three years in St. Louis, which not a terrible player, but certainly not what you'd be paying for. 
Um, but Alan, I'll, I'll go to you lastly here, you know, your thoughts on why the Braves aren't doing anything and, and, and when are they going to answer the Mets or, or are they? I'll, I'll try to be quick cause I know we're running a little long, but let uh, what I wrote today. I, I, I fully believe last year, the Dodgers almost 11 months ago now went out and made the big deal to get Mookie Betts. He was the superstar. He played like a superstar he won them the World Series. He, the, the Dodgers would not have gotten past the Braves had not Mookie Betts not been on their roster. The Mets have just made that kind of a move. Yes, Lindor is not quite the player Betts is, but he is now their superstar. He is the guy that uh, they went after to, to make the blockbuster deal, to go all in, to do this. The Braves, we've talked about this a lot, have their window wide open right now. Four or five years, they've got prime opportunity to go deep into the playoffs to win a World Series, but they need that extra X factor, and they need to go find it. Whether it's an Arenado or Chris Bryant, George Springer, you name name the player, I don't care who it is. They need that guy uh, to put them over the top, to be there the big all-in, to be their Fred McGriff acquisition. This is the kind of thing that needs to happen because they're primed and ready to go. It's time to do that. And if the Braves don't do that, they're going to be the fourth of those four elite teams in the National League. That's unfortunately a reality. I don't even care that they could have had maybe a Darvish or they could have had a Carrasco or whatever. The fact they got Smiley and Morton, okay, that's good. The fact that they've got an offense that can overcome things is what they need now, and that'll mitigate any concerns you ever have about the rotation. We just simply need a rotation that shows up every day and pitches. That's certainly what we didn't have in 2020. Now we need the bat. Now we need the superstar. Now we need the marquee player. And that's, that's what has to happen to, to make this, this whole ship go. Uh, the Dodgers did it last year. The Mets just did it today. Let's see, uh, what Alex Anthopoulos has up his sleeve. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way to end this, this podcast. Uh, Alan, I think that's a great point. It's time for, it's time for the Braves to step up. This is their window to do something. It's time for them to step up and and make that move. So uh, we'll end it right there. I know we've gone a little long. I appreciate you hanging in there with us. Again, make sure that you uh, subscribe to the Tomahawk Take uh, podcast. Make sure that you check out the website, tomahawktake.com. We appreciate all your support on the website and on the podcast. Um, I appreciate all the comments on Twitter as well. There are some questions out there. Uh, that I plan to get to uh, from Christopher Garrett, Patrick McCarthy, and T. Cole. Uh, some really good questions that um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about next week, uh, unless something big happens. But the way things are going for the Braves, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Um, but again, appreciate all of you. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and y'all have a great week. This has been the quarantined first 2021 edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast, a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of their participants. Minute Media disavows all of them. All rights reserved. 
One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Zigzag. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and just to assure all of you, we have it on good authority that you can't catch any diseases by listening. We'll see you out for the next inning.